Thank you so much, Brother Gene. It's been a while since I've heard that song. That is a good one for sure. Well, it's preaching time. I know we've weeding out the ranks here tonight. I know a lot of people are at home uh, because of the weather. And so if you're watching on live stream, I hope you'll get your Bibles out and come along with us. Now, I know that some of y'all are home in your PJs. I know some of y'all are in your, uh, in your sweatpants and your hoodies and all that. But you know what? I'm glad to still have y'all here. I hope that, uh, I hope that, that you get exactly what uh, you need out of the message tonight. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to book of uh, Mark, chapter number 12. Mark, chapter number 12. Always count it to be a huge blessing and a privilege to stand behind this pulpit. Um, I'm much like you. I'd ra- much rather be sitting down and listen to Pastor Shiflet as, uh, as he preaches. Man, can he preach. It's absolutely incredible. And, uh, and I love it. I love sitting down. And I also understand that there's so many other people in this church that can preach as well. I mean, Brother Leader preaching this morning. Yeah. Uh, we have so many others, like uh, uh, Brother Bell. And, and, uh, and I mean, we just have a plethora. Brother Burner, so many preachers. And I know some go down to the rescue mission as well. So up here right now, I feel like the mule at the Kentucky Derby. I feel like Ronald McDonald going through a Burger King drive-thru. I feel like a certain president in Washington, D.C. right now. I'm not going to name names. I promise you that. You can fill in the blanks on that one. But I still count it a huge blessing and honor to be here. And, uh, and I'm really glad. I'll be very glad to see Pastor get back. And uh, glad to see uh, Brother Morales here with us as well, joining us here tonight. And uh, I know a lot of people are gone, but it's always good to see people in the house of God. Let's all stand, if you're able. Mark chapter number 12. I was thinking as I was getting this message ready about anything that has to do with more. More is our theme for this year. And while I was designing all these foam boards, oh man, Pastor picked up a lot of good verses about more. And I was trying to think, do any of these, do any of these really stand out? And I came across this one. It's mentioned in, this story really is mentioned in two different places throughout Scripture. One here in Mark and one, here, one over in Luke. But I want to give it a reading this evening and see if God doesn't do something. I'm also well aware of all the weather that's going on outside. Don't plan on being long. I know every preacher says that. But I want to make sure I mind the Lord, but also uh, mind your, your safety and getting home tonight as well. Mark chapter number 12, starting in verse number 41. Mark 12, 41. The Bible says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many... That were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in, cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance. Don't miss this next part. But she of her wants did cast in all that she had, even all of her living. For just a few moments tonight, I want to dive into this passage and preach a message simply entitled, She Hath Cast In More. She Hath Cast In More. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so very much for your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you for the safety you've provided to all of us, Lord, coming out tonight. I pray, Lord, that this trip, Lord, the the coming out and and uh, battling the roads and the ice and the snow. Lord, may it not be in vain. May you do your work tonight in our hearts is my prayer. 
And Father, I don't know who this message is for. If no one else, it's for me. But I pray, Lord, that you would take the message, take the Word of God, that you would increase it, Lord, that you'd hide me behind the cross of Christ tonight as I preach your Word. And may your Word, your message, come through loud and clear. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. We jump into this story really at the end of a chapter, which makes me pause and go back and sort of set a little bit of the context as to where we are and what's going on leading up to this story. If we go back to verse 38, we see that Jesus is in the temple. He's in the temple and he's teaching, and one of the things that he begins to dwell on are the scribes and their, for lack of a better word, naughtiness, and what they have been doing that is really irking him at the moment. If you go down, you can read in verse number 38, And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes, which love to go in long clothing, and love salutations in the, in the marketplace, and the chief seats of the synagogue, and the uppermost rooms of the feast, which devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation." Jesus looks and pauses for a moment and says in the middle, likely, of the scribes and Pharisees, beware of the scribes. He looks at them and says, beware of their pride. He says, beware of the pride of the Pharisees because they would love to go into, into great uh, amounts of flowery words and love to adorn themselves in bright and, 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 and adorning clothing to let people know exactly who they are. Can I remind the church of God tonight that God still hates the sin of pride? God has always hated the sin of pride. As a matter of fact, any sin that we will ever commit, scratch beneath the surface and you will find the sin of pride lurking underneath. You find that pride is all the way back in the very, the very beginning with Adam and Eve. You see that pride, that desire that to become as God as, as the serpent had deceived Eve. You go all throughout history and you find pride after pride after pride. As a matter of fact, if you go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, you'll find these words, these six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. What is the first one? A proud look. Can I submit to the church that God still hates the sin of pride? We would be very wise at the beginning of a new year to examine ourselves lest any pride slips into our hearts. We come from an amazing church. We go to an amazing church with an amazing pastor and amazing people. But lest we be lifted up with pride, we can easily tear the whole thing down. Oh, oh what, the, what the sin of pride can do in a church or what, is, what the sin of pride can do in a Christian's heart. But also, he condemns their prosperity. You go down to verse number uh, uh, 40. The Bible says, "...which devour widows' houses." It's very interesting that these people who, who basically dress themselves up and puff themselves up like a peacock have gotten there through many ill-gotten gains. Yet, as a matter of fact, they were in their day using their position as a reason to repossess houses in the name of service to the Lord. Instead of protecting widows, they were having them cast into the street for their own selfish gains. Can I tell you, this is the era, this is the era of religiosity that Jesus is coming into. 
He is seeing all this corruption in high places in the temple. But it doesn't stop there. He could have stopped with their pride. He could have stopped with their prosperity. But he also mentions their pretense. Look, if you all, a little bit farther on. And for a pretense, make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. You look at that word pretense, and it has the, the meaning of presenting a false or hypocritical appearance. Oh, how easy it would be for us as Christians to fall into the same line as the scribes of that day. To puff ourselves up with pride. To do things by ill-gotten gains behind the scenes. To act as if we are one way and go home and live another way. And it makes God sick. It always has and always will. Well, we see that after he goes through this diatribe on the scribes, we see that Jesus sits down and he starts watching people go by the treasury. And I think it's interesting because Jesus took great interest in who would give, but not just who would give, and how they gave. Is that what your Bible says? And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast in their money into the treasury. After talking about the pride, after talking about the hypocrisy, he sits down and sees, okay, now who besides the scribes falls into this category? Who besides the scribes is also guilty of the same thing? He watches, and as he watches, he sees many people come and put their money into the treasury. It sees rich person after rich person after rich person come in and cast in their money to the treasury. But all of that does not catch Christ's attention. What catches the Lord's attention is a widow woman. A poor widow with two mites rubbed between her thumb and index finger. And she takes those two, those two pieces, those two small coins, and casts them into the treasury. And for some reason, for some reason, Brother Payne, this gets Christ's attention. You wouldn't think it would. It would be the person who comes up to, to give an offering plate and they drop in a penny. You wouldn't think that would get the Lord's attention, but it did. So my message tonight is going to dive into what was it about that woman? What was it about her offering? What was it about her sacrifice that caught the Lord's attention? And what can we do in our lives to obtain the same attention and blessing from the Lord? I see three things in this story that are worthy of our attention tonight. Number one, I want us to look at her status. I want us to look at the status of this woman. Her status was poor. She was nobody in, in the grand scheme of things. She was a poor widow woman. The Bible doesn't even tell us her name. We don't have a name for this woman. The Bible doesn't even tell us her age. We often think, when we think about a widow woman, that she was old, but that may not have been the case. Her husband may have, have died at an early age. She may be more middle-aged. We don't know her age. We don't know her, uh, her name. We don't even know what her occupation was. We don't know if she had a job or if she was just begging in the streets. All we know is she was poor and that she was a widow. We know that she barely had enough to make ends meet. Have you ever been there where there's too much month at the end of the money? You have your paycheck and it runs out a little too soon? Hate when that happens. Hate when that happens. You're living day to day and you're praying, Lord, please send something in the mail. Lord, please let me get a little bit of a, a little extra love from you this month. I need it now. I don't need it next month. There are people that are knocking on my door that need it right now. That's where this woman was, living day to day. Living with her greatest concern when she wakes up, am I going to eat today? 
Am I going to get thrown out on, my, on the street today? Am I going to live today in, in comfort? Am I going to live in poverty? Is my life going to come crashing down all around me? That's the life that this woman lived. We don't know much about her. There was nothing noticeably of significance about her. But Christ saw something of significance. It makes me think of 1 Corinthians 1.27, where the Apostle Paul writes, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. When I see this story, I see a weak woman, a woman who does not have much to offer, and yet God says, I'm about to make an example of this woman. There's something in her heart, there's something in her life that I want everyone from now until, the, until I come again to see in the Bible. And I'm not just going to mention it once, I'm going to mention it twice. If God repeats something in the scripture, can I say, church, it's very important that we take notice. It's very important that we take a good listening to it. So we notice, number one, her status. It wasn't anything great. It wasn't anything of significance. But can I say this? Status isn't required to please God. Can I say this, church? Your status. You don't have to be a rich person in order to please the Lord with your life. God picked someone who was poor, who had two mites to rub together, and God said, I can use that person. I can use someone who has nothing. Now, can God use someone who has things as well? Absolutely. But he can use the great to the small. He can use the strong to the weak. He can use the young to the old. Don't think that you're ever not a candidate for God using you. Young person, I say this tonight. You can please God. It's not just your parents. It's not just the older people here in the church. It's not just staff members. It's not just anyone who is older than you. You personally can please the Lord with your life. But not only them. Can I say moms and dads? Can I say senior saints? Can I say every single person in this room, it doesn't matter what kind of a, uh, what kind of a past you've come from. It doesn't matter what kind of a job you have. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. That's not the qualification. So if that's not the qualification, then what was it about this woman? Those are the only things we seem to know about her. Well, we see, number one, her status was poor. But I want to see, number two, her sacrifice. Let's look at her sacrifice tonight. The Bible says, And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. Brother, brother uh, Burner, I love the verbiage that the Bible uses. Because no word is used accidentally. Every word is used purposefully. But does the Bible say that she went up and placed in her two mites? Is that what it says, Brother Leader? Does it say, Brother Daniel, that she went in there and flipped them in? No. What is the word that the Bible uses? She threw them in. I see a little bit of passion behind this. I see a little bit of an oomph behind this. I see a little bit of enthusiasm behind this gift. She was sacrificing her last two pieces of money, and she had a little bit of enthusiasm, a little bit of zip about it, Brother Leader. She had a little bit of excitement about this. She had a little bit of, a little bit of enthusiasm in giving away the last two coins that she had. I think it's very interesting that she threw them in. But when she threw them in, can I say this? Her sacrifice was permanent. Her sacrifice was permanent. You see, she wasn't just throwing in her money. She was throwing in her groceries. She was throwing in her lunch. She was throwing in her mortgage. She was throwing in her rent. 
She was throwing in her saving. Literally everything she had was going into that treasury. That's what Jesus said. She has given all, and the Bible says at the very end, even all her living. Everything she had, she came up, and when it was time for her to give, when it came to her to stand up to the plate, she didn't just toss it in. She, Shaquille O'Neal, dunked that money all the way to the bottom of that treasury. She hung on to the rim for a little bit, I believe. She, threw a lot of, she put a lot of emphasis into, I'm going to give this money to the Lord. And I find it very interesting, just because whenever she threw that money in, she wasn't getting it back out. It makes me think, it makes me think, Brother Snipes, about the Old Testament sacrifices. The Old Testament sacrifices where in order to, to give a sacrifice to the Lord, they'd come down to an altar. And when they came down to an altar, they would bring with them some sort of an animal. An animal that would be killed, the blood would be slain, and it would be placed upon the altar, but that wasn't it. Brother Isaiah, they would also have to put a match to that. It wasn't something that they were going to change their mind maybe a couple days later and come and get that offering and say, you know what, I changed my mind, I want it back now. No, 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 no. They brought their cow down to the altar, they walked back with a rope. They didn't go home with old Bessie. Right. Old Bessie went home to be with Jesus. Yeah. All right? That cow, it's not getting back up. That meat that's from there, it isn't going to be on your plate tomorrow. That is completely given away. There's no going back and getting it again. This woman, when she gave her money, when she made her sacrifice, she said, that's it. I'm not getting the money back, which puts her in a very tight position. How would you feel if all of your life savings, one Sunday, went into the offering plates? And you had to go home knowing you do not have one red penny in your bank account? Not a thing of life savings? How would you feel? You may feel very, very dependent upon the Lord. You may feel like, okay, God, if you told me to do that, you better have some way of getting me through this. God, if you told me, if this is what you wanted me to do, then God, I want to see your plan, and I want to see it pretty quick. But this lady, she gave it away, and she gave it away permanently. Can I say that that applies to our lives as well? We'll come down to this altar, and we'll make sacrifices. We'll come down and we'll bring our, our issue before the Lord, especially when God's doing a work on our hearts. And we'll come down and we'll give it to the Lord and we'll say, God, without reservation, I will do this. I will stop doing this. I will give this area of my life over to you. Amen. And we go back to our seats. But how often do we wake up the next morning or in a week from now or in a month from now after we've already given it on the altar, we've already sacrificed that to the Lord, but we go back and then we say, yeah, but I changed my mind. It was a bit impulsive, Brother Byerly. I mean, I really didn't mean this area of my, I meant all the other areas. I didn't mean that one. And we come back and try to give it. But you know what the kind of life, the sacrifice that God wants? He wants one that's without reservation. He wants a sacrifice that's without reservation. He wants a life of service that's without reservation. I'm talking about no matter what you're doing for the Lord, do it and give it all. Right. Give your time to the Lord. Give your service to the Lord. You say, Brother Caleb, all I do is work with kids. Me too. <laughs> Fist bump. Good job. Yeah, we're in this boat together. But God doesn't just want half of your effort in serving and working with those kids. Whatever you're doing for the Lord, God wants all of it. He wants you to give it to Him, and He wants you to do it without reservation. 
No pulling back. No holding back. You say, I just do maintenance around here. Well, and be the best cleaner-upper in the church. That's what God wants. You say, I just drive a bus. We'll be the best bus driver in the church. I only, I only do some ushering. We'll be the best usher. Be the best greeter. Be the best Sunday school teacher. Whatever you do, God wants you to do it and give it all without reservation. Not only our sacrifice, not only our service, but can I say this as well? Our sanctification is something he wants us to give to him without reservation. But I, I think back to the book of Romans. I think the Romans chapter number 12, where Paul wrote, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Would to God that the people of Calvary Baptist Church as a whole made those our life verses, made those our desire for 2022, and said, God, you can have my entire life. You don't, you don't get it as a burnt offering. You don't get it as a dead sacrifice. You get my life this year as a living sacrifice. You get myself holy. You get myself acceptable to you. God, my life is yours. Do with it as you please. That's the kind of giving that God wants. That's the kind of giving that this woman had. You see, I believe this woman learned something that David learned all the way back in 2 Samuel chapter 24. 2 Samuel 24, 24, King David is about to buy a threshing floor that he's going to use for sacrifices. And, and the owner of the threshing floor said, no, no, I want to be a blessing to you. Let me, let me just give you this threshing floor. Let me, you, don't have to, you don't have to come and buy it. I will give it to you. But David said this, and don't miss this. He said, nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. You know what David said? He said, if I'm going to make a sacrifice, if I'm going to give myself wholly to the Lord, it's going to cost me something. I'm not willing to serve God for free. I'm not willing to say, oh, well, God, you know what, you can have, you can have this, this, and this, but, but, but you know what, I'm not really going to let this cost me. I'm still going to maintain my Saturdays. I'm just still going to maintain my, 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 my nap time here and my service time there and, and my, my errand time here. God, you can have certain parts of my life, but you can't have here. David said, I'm not going to serve the Lord unless there's a price to be paid. I'm not going to serve God unless something in there costs me something because I want my life to count for Jesus. We see here that in his sanctification, her sanctification, her service, in her a sacrifice, all of it was given without reservation. Let me ask you, what does your sacrifice cost you? What does your service cost? Cost you. I'm talking about what you're doing for the Lord right now. What is it costing you? Your sanctification. What is it costing you? Oh, Brother Caleb, I'm not really serving. I'm not really sanctifying. I'm not really, I'm not really sacrificing. Well, that would be a good place to start. To start with a place where you put a value upon God using your life. And put a value upon you serving the Lord and sacrificing for the Lord. That's what God desires of your life. That's what catches his attention. So I began to think. I began to think, Brother Jean, well, the point of the story then is the sacrifice. She sacrificed everything. God's just looking for us to sacrifice everything. 
But did you know that there's even something deeper than that? There's something deeper than the sacrifice that Jesus saw in this woman's heart. It's something that every miracle requires. It's something that every case of Jesus being pleased requires. Because thirdly, I see his statement. Let's look at Jesus' statement. Verse number 43, And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. You know what Jesus did? Jesus, in the middle of this, as soon as he saw the widow come up and give her two mites, he said, all right, time out. He called all of his disciples unto him, which means they weren't immediately there. Maybe they were across the temple. Maybe they were somewhere around. Maybe they were out buying, uh, buying things. But he called them out and he called, hey, Peter, come on in. James, John, come on in. Hey, Simon, come on in. Judas, even, come on in. I want to teach you something here. He pulls them all into himself and he says this. See that widow woman over there? See that widow woman over there who doesn't look like anything of significance? She just gave her two mites to the temple treasury. And their reaction was very much like yours right now, I'm sure. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's awesome. But uh, how does that apply to us? I mean, we don't doubt you, Jesus. That, I mean, well, Thomas might. The rest of us don't doubt you, Jesus. But, poor, poor Thomas, got a bad rap. But, but, but they say, you know what, but, but what does it have to do with us? And Jesus said, no, paraphrasing, y'all, y'all don't get it yet. Y'all don't understand. She gave the most of anyone who's come into the temple today. And the disciples said, well, we need a time out now, Jesus, because we've seen people. We've seen Mr. Bezos. He came on in. He gave his contribution check. We saw Mr. Walton. He came on in. We saw, what's that guy, Microsoft? Mr. Gates. Yeah, him. He backed up his Brinks truck. He unloaded. I hate to break it to you, Jesus. They had a little bit more than two mites. Hate to break it to you. Their sacrifice was just a little bit bigger than her sacrifice. But Jesus said, you've missed everything. You've missed everything. You see, they did cast in of their abundance. You know those people, those rich people, they have plenty. You know what they did? They skimmed off the top. They will never notice whether they gave or whether they didn't. It's not going to affect their life one little bit. They just gave it for sake of giving it. Perhaps for sake of getting seen in the temple. For sake of, maybe for sake of just feeling good about themselves that they gave towards something of a notable cause. But that was not the case in this widow woman. Jesus said she did cast in of her want. She did cast in all that she had, even her living. You see, her meager offering meant more to Jesus than all the big gifts, all the big givers. He had just finished condemning the scribes for their pride, for their prosperity, for their pretense, and now the disciples are looking at those that gave and thinking, wow, they gave way more. But Jesus wasn't impressed with any of that. But he was very impressed with the faith of the woman's sacrifice. You see, it wasn't just the sacrifice, it's where that sacrifice put the woman. The Bible says she gave all that she had, even all her living. Which means that woman's going to go home, and she's going to have to trust God. Which means that woman's going to have to go and wake up tomorrow morning with not a penny to her name. 
That woman's going to have to come to a place where she's putting herself out there and saying, God, you're the one who told me to do this. I'm going to need you to come through. She's putting herself out there, and God didn't just look at her, her, uh, her, her status. Her status didn't matter. He didn't just look at her sacrifice. The sacrifice wasn't the biggest thing. God looked at her faith, and when he saw her faith, he said, that's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of life I'm going to bless. Hey, disciples, stop what you're doing. Hey, hey, the writers of these gospels, I need you to pen this down. This is the kind of faith I desire for my people. The kind of faith that put me to the test. The kind of faith that depend wholly upon me. Lest we forget Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6, where the Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible, not difficult, not unlikely, not just hard, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I have a feeling this widow woman would have loved that verse. I feel like this widow woman would have taken that maybe for her life verse. But I believe that this woman perhaps may have knew, known of other verses. If you go back to the, to the book of Psalms, you don't have to for sake of time. But you have to remember, people of the New Testament, they did have portions of the Old Testament. They knew portions of the law. There were portions that were already written. Perhaps this widow woman read Psalm 37. Where David wrote in verse 25, I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Maybe this woman said, you know what, I've heard that God promised to give me bread. I heard that God said that he wouldn't leave me begging. I heard that God said that he would take care of me. Maybe it's time I took him at his word and test out that promise for myself. Maybe she went a little further and read Psalm 68, verse 10, where David also wrote, Thy congregation hath dwelt therein, thou, O God, hast prepared of thy goodness for the poor. Maybe she read those verses and thought, you know what? I'm poor. <laughs> I'm righteous as far as I know. Let me see if God's willing to take care of me as well. Maybe she went a little further and read Proverbs chapter number 15. Uh, verse number 25, and the Lord will destroy the house of the proud, get this, but he will establish the border of the widow. Maybe she's starting to identify with some of these verses and some of these promises, saying, hey, God's already told me if I'm right with him, if I am poor, if I am a widow, he's going to take care of me. But that's just what I've read. I need to experience this for myself. It's high time I test God at his word. And if God said it, let me see if he's going to come through. In conclusion, let me say this. Brother Payne, I really wish I knew how the story ended. The story cuts off with Jesus' statements about this woman, but it doesn't tell us what happens after that. I wish, and I went over, I went from Mark, I went to Luke, I went to these different chapters, and both of them tell the story the same way and doesn't end it any other way. We're left on a cliffhanger, Brother Isaiah. Well, that's not knowing whatever happened to this woman. And maybe in heaven, we'll find out. Maybe in heaven, by and by, we'll meet this woman, and we'll get to hear it in her own words, which will sound a little bit higher pitched than mine. But can, I, can we assume that the Lord took care of her needs? Well, let's look at what God's track record is. We could go back to 1 Kings chapter 17 to another widow woman. A widow woman who was at her end of her rope. 
a widow woman that didn't have anything except for two sticks and a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil. And she's getting ready to make a meal for herself and her son and end her life. Until the man of God comes by and tells her to make him that meal. To prepare the food for him and then make some for yourself. And the woman perplexed says, we can't, I can't do that. I don't have enough. But he promises her, the Lord will provide your meal. Your Lord will provide your oil. But listen to the voice of the Lord. I wonder if she can testify that the Lord took care of her needs. As a matter of fact, hers was the only house that we know of that had a constant source of bread, that had a constant source of oil for the entirety of the famine. But that's just one case. If God's going to have a track record, it has to be more than just one. That's good research. So, let's go to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter number 4. Someone whose name sounds vaguely like, like Elijah, but rather this time is Elisha. We can read there about a widow woman whose sons were being put into slavery. A widow woman who didn't have the money to pay the bills, didn't have a husband to take care of her, but was 100%, the Bible says, that she feared the Lord. She was a righteous woman in a bad spot. Man of God came by and said, hey, go and borrow every vessel you can find. Get it in here and start pulling out the oil into all those vessels and let me see what happens. They go out and borrow. They go out and take it. They just find as many as they can. They bring it in and start pouring the oil until that one vessel gets filled. And then they pour another one. And then another one. And then another one. And then another one. I'm telling you, friend, God makes good on his promises. And he's never left the righteous forsaken and begging bread. But those are just ladies, widow ladies. Does God do the same thing for men? I can go back to the book of 1 Samuel 17 and go to a little shepherd boy named David who at the word of God and at the defiance of the army of the living God took offense to a giant who got up in his God's business. And he said, even if I have to put my own life on the line, if I have to go down there and get between that giant and my army, I'm going to stand there because my God is not going to be defied. The army of the living God is not going to be defied. And if I have to put my own life on the line, I am going to do that because I love God. Did God take care of him? He sure did. Oh, what about the lad with the five loaves and two fishes? We just heard about this last week. What about that little lad who all he had was a little lunch and he gave it all? He didn't hold back one loaf for himself. He didn't hold back a little tuna for himself. He gave every last bit. Did God take care of that little boy? Oh, he sure did. Can I say this, church? God has a flawless track record of rewarding faith. My question for you tonight is I'm done. Do you have that kind of faith that this widow woman had? Do you have the kind of faith that put God to the test? Not the kind of faith that says, I'm going to skim off the top. If I give God this or if I don't give it, I will never notice it. Or do you have the faith that says, God, this is going to cost me something. Hey, serving you, this sacrifice, it's going to cost me something. This life that I'm living for you is going to cost me something. I'm willing to give it to you. Not just part of it, not just some of it, not just selectively. I'm willing to give it all. But that is what God is looking for in your life tonight and all throughout 2022. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around.
The message was a simple one. It's one about faith. Do you have the kind of faith that this widow woman has? Is that your testimony here tonight? Could you honestly say that you have the kind of faith that is willing to give everything and anything and put God to the test? Oh, I pray that that be our testimony in this year. What God could do through our church. What God could do through your ministry. What God could do in your personal life. If you would simply have that kind of faith. Put Him to the test. And see how God answers. Oh, how many testimonies we miss out on. Because we're scared to put God to the test. This widow woman. I'm sure he had, she had to be terrified in some ways. Giving everything and not knowing what was going to happen to her. But she still trusted God. She took God at His promises. She had given more than anyone else because she gave it in sacrifice, a full sacrifice and a sacrifice of faith. Many are at the altar. If God's speaking to your heart, do business with Him tonight. Maybe it has something to do with the decisions you've made. There have been many amazing decisions made this past week. But God wants you to keep those decisions. Give it to Him permanently. To sacrifice those things permanently. To lay them down on the altar and not take them back. Oh, church. What God could do more. More in 2022.